Diamond Answer Man, Episode 16, So You Want to Join the Industry. Welcome to the Diamond Answer Man Show. I'm your host, Jay Christopher Gertz. Our goal of this show is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases we use to memorialize, make our loved ones smile in those special moments, birthdays, anniversaries, maybe graduations. You know, we have the holiday season coming up, maybe on that Christmas day, as that box is opened up and see the smile on the face, memorializing that special moment. If you have any questions, you may email them into me at jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com or you may reach me through my website on that right-hand side. Send me a voicemail link if you've got a microphone or call me and leave a voicemail message at 803-792-1326. Well, hello, everyone. It's been about a week and a half since our last show and a few things have happened. You know, we talked about De Beers sort of restructuring their company. And uh, re, I should say streamlining it under the uh, De Beers name, you know, changing some of the ways that they're going to present themselves to everyone else in the industry. And that would be about it as far as what they released in their intentions. However, uh, you know, not, not really however. I think we sort of say however when we want to fill the air with something. But what did happen in the positive you know, we talked about over the last several months, the trade being a little bit concerned about the sales and, and things going on in the industry uh, as far as sales were concerned at the retail level. You know, the retail level has sort of been flat right now. And uh, that means you and maybe even I haven't been buying as much diamonds as we had been in the past and uh, or we're holding back a little bit. So what uh, diamond dealers did was they deferred their sites. And, uh, you know, just about five, six months ago, five months ago, they deferred their sites. De Beers, the DTC, will allow their suppliers of choice, also known as site holders, uh, to defer their site during that intent to offer period, their ITO, which uh, would end in March of 2013. So what they did a group of them, uh, they deferred their purchase during that period. However, we just had a site that just happened just a few days ago, in, uh, and uh, it was very successful. It was the largest site in 2012. And that, um, that means hopefully the site holders that uh, were sitting on maybe too many goods and they weren't selling, or they didn't see or perceive an, a, a lift in their sell-through rate and or profitability. You know, we are, you know, looking at a system that's more or less a capitalist system and they want to buy and sell and and make money uh, based upon purchases that are, I, I would say they're necessary, but not like how we would say gasoline. You know, jewelry is something that's been used for thousands of years and uh, it, it means something at that at that level where we feel and uh, so it, it is used, you know, I always say to memorialize those special moments. And um, you, know, you may hear my printer going on in the background. Sorry about that. But uh, to memorialize those special moments. And uh, I, I think diamonds do that. So the dealers, 
the deal in rough stones and that they buy them, the suppliers of choice. And they are all polishers, by the way. That means they are diamond cutters. Um, they felt obviously better this time around did or did not want to wait until their March uh, time frame. Uh, the, the site, I, I can't remember if there's, there must be a site that's going to occur before then um, to buy all that they would need to buy. And, and again, they could defer up to 50%. So they're either looking to a positive end of this holiday season or a hopeful, graceful end. And then an uplift in the beginning of next year. You know, I, 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 I think that overall, the American market might be a little flat. You know, I don't think it's going to be up and above in the tradition. I shouldn't say traditional in the mall stores and chain stores. You know, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see an over the top push much earlier. You know, we talk about stores when you walk down the mall and it kind of drives me a little crazy. But when you see the holiday signage come out before Halloween is done, um, it, it gets a little bit, I don't know, it ruins the moment, I would say. It feels, um, I don't know what, it, it just doesn't feel good. I, I, I think most people would agree with that, that it used to be that retailers would make sure that they put up their holiday uh, uh, wares, you know, their props and the different signage that would go with that, the lighting and all those things after our holiday of Thanksgiving. But that's changed. We see it all over the world. No, it's just all over the world. That was an exaggeration. We see it all over the United States. Um, when you go into a big box retailer, you can't go into a Target. You can't go into, into many stores, even in a Walmart or, or, or uh, any of those stores that, that are these sort of medium and, and, and um, big box style stores and, uh, and not see Christmas. And, uh, you know, people are, are buying, obviously, so they feel that uh, they, they need to replace or add to whatever they have. But um, it's sort of, uh, it sort of cheapens it. It doesn't feel special. So I, I think where that special time comes in is when we, when we get into that December time, when things get a little bit more chilly and, and uh, we have heard an, uh, enough of the music, we start humming it and thinking about it and think about those uh, special holiday moments we've had with our family members. And uh, I think it's nice when we do things for each other. You know, that's not what it's all about. It should be something we would want to do and not feel like we are pushed to do it. Um, I think just making sure that we remind ourselves that things are good and, and we can together as families um, make those moments special when we spend time together and do things together and enjoy each other. So, I think that what's going to happen is is that uh, you know the stores are going to push early for their you know the chain stores that you'll see those flyers coming. So to get back, those flyers will be coming in your newspaper. They'll be coming in your mailbox uh, much much early, and I think they will be much much more often. I think what will happen is when you go into the jewelry stores, the brick and mortar stores, they'll be holding on strong with bread and butter items. And what I mean by that is this just just the standards. You'll see lots of studs and pendants and diamond bands, and I don't think, you know, the cautious ones. I don't think that, you know, I guess that's truthful if you say cautious. The cautious stores will sit and stay with the the basics 
And I think the stores that will lead will be doing something different and special. We got to keep our eyes open for what that is. And I think the other thing we have to be concerned about as consumers is the difference between quality and the difference between that and style. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, quality and style. Uh, you know, when we look into stores, we're seeing a lot of things uh, made overseas. And that's not necessarily bad. But, uh, you know, when we look at the cost, cost of gold is really high. And we look at diamonds, diamonds are sort of flat. Um, but when you need to hold your diamond in something that costs a bit more, things are, uh, I should say, cut back in a way. You know, you, you want to keep the price in line with what somebody's willing to spend. However, I think there's a fine line between reducing the price and, uh, and, and, and in turn focusing completely on style and what something looks like as opposed to having something that's both quality and style. So we, we kind of have a balancing act we have to do. Um, we can go for extreme quality, and then, of course, it becomes you, – you can become price sensitive. But if it's an in a, you know, unattractive piece, it really doesn't matter what the quality is. If it's ugly, it's ugly. You're not going to buy it. But if it's good looking, you know, I think the perception of most people when they buy a piece of jewelry is that it will last. It will memorialize. It will be something generationally speaking. And I and I don't want to, I guess, dig some types of stores out there. But there are both freestanding, independently owned stores and chain stores that specialize in uh, in junk and most people, when they go into these stores, don't realize that. You know, they sort of trick them into thinking they're good values because they have their big banners that are red and pink and purple and, and flashy colors and the balloons and the deep discounts and really what you buy in those situations. And even when stores go out of business, when you buy in those situations, you have to be super cautious, super, super cautious, because most of the time what's happening is is that you are buying something that's a specific style. The diamonds usually aren't great. Uh, the, again, they're in a purity and color and clarity range that to the eye, they look okay. In the piece, it looks nice. Um, and But in reality, when you look at it at its basic level, it's it's not very good quality. And it's not going to be something that will last for multiple generations. So you want to be careful when you're out there buying this holiday season, because I think some of that is going to be very, very heavy. So don't fall into that price discount uh, sort of trap. You can, you, you know, you, if you buy cheap, you know, you're going to, you know, unfortunately you will pay the price. And, um, and that's, that's sad in some cases because some people's perception is, is I should be able to wear it for, for 10 years. And I don't think jewelry is worn in the way uh, today that it was 100 years ago where people uh, took care of the jewelry the same way. And uh, I think I'm going on a rant right now. So anyway, so remember, diamond jewelry is used for memorializing special moments. And uh, make sure when you buy something this holiday season that you uh, are focused on the family, both past, present, and future. The other thing that happened here just recently was um, was uh, there was an article uh, by Rob Bates. He's a senior edit- editor at uh, JCK Magazine, that's Jewelers Circular Keystone, talking about the shaky ground 
that uh, the labs are on that produce synthetic and or cultured diamonds, whatever term you may use. And when I used to work for a company, which is long gone now, that was 20, almost 20 years ago, called the Diamond Broker, we did some repolishing of diamonds, uh, worked with a few synthetic stones. When I worked at Eight Star, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife who was a polisher there, polished a few synthetics and some HP, HT stones. And I got to tell you that no matter how well these diamonds were polished, and how beautiful they were. I really, I read this article and I, and I grinned. I, 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 I actually did more than that. I chuckled. Uh, no matter how well we polished those diamonds, customers were always interested in the white and or colorless. And, uh, you know, most of the diamonds that had come out through those polisher, excuse me, those lab that were producing the uh, culture diamonds um, were uh, yellows and browns, and they would use uh, high-pressure, high-temperature techniques to remove the colors and or change the colors. Some of them were irradiated to change the colors. But in general, most consumers want white diamonds. They're, they're, um, they're, uh, they think about white. They don't always think about color. They think about colored diamonds as something unique or special, or in some cases with yellow, they... No matter how fancy it can be, there's reservation around yellow unless somebody becomes a little bit more involved in the process and really starts to enjoy some of those beautiful colors that can come out both naturally and uh, treated wise synthetically too. Some of those really rich orangey colors and yellows. They're really pretty, but for the most part, people wanted white and or colorless diamonds. When I uh, worked as a diamond buyer after that, I worked with uh, Gemesis, and uh, they would ship in stones. I probably had at one time in the store I worked with uh, buying, I shouldn't say hundreds of carats, but it was probably close to that of uh, synthetic diamonds. And and we really didn't sell. I, I can only think of maybe out of those hundreds of carats we had, maybe two or three over the entire time that I worked with them, these synthetic stones. And the reason for it was customers would always call us up and knew that we were a dealer of these types of diamonds. And they would always ask for white stones. And so as I read further in the article, um, I really enjoyed some of the comments that were there. The, uh, the fact that I kept running into when I sold these diamonds or tried to uh, sell these diamonds was, uh, the well, first of all, the fact that they weren't really that inexpensive. That would be the number one thing. And then second of all, when the companies received all of their publicity, and even when you went to their websites, they always showed white diamonds. And they would show other colors. You know, they would show, you know, the full range or spectrum of colors that they, in theory, could or had produced. However, there would always be a focus or a feature piece that was always a white stone. And they talked about this. And, uh, you know, when you drive the market and build the customer up, you know, their expectation for something, you, uh, you, when you call the dealer that's supposedly able to procure or receive these diamonds and present them to you, you want to be able to ask for what you're wanting. And uh, unfortunately, there was not one instance, not one instance where I was ever able to uh, service a client they referred to me uh, because those clients always wanted white diamonds. So so that was one of the problems. They, they pushed themselves into a corner. And, uh, and now some of those companies are floundering 
And, uh, you know, so now they're starting to be able to produce some of these stones. However, it's very, very hard. And, uh, you know, the process they're using is chemical vapor deposition. And that's where they have a system where they create a sort of a gas, they superheat it and it falls down. And the, and the, uh, I guess it would, we would say the elements, uh, at that molecular level, a bond and create sheets as they grow it. You know, the cool thing about that was, is I had the opportunity to, uh, to see this. Oh goodness. This must've been around 1995 in Stanford and a uh, really cool process, this chemical vapor deposition process. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is that it's hard to grow larger diamonds, you know, so people want bigger stones. They want one carat diamonds and they want two carat diamonds. So when you have somebody interested in it, it's just not out there. So you get frustration. And one of the things the article spoke about is for those kinds of people. And I, and I really, I have to be careful. I say kind of person. Um, and I, I do think it takes a special type of person to buy a synthetic diamond or a, uh, a diamond that is treated, I guess, above and beyond the normal natural process, especially synthetic diamonds. There's something that's missing at that intrinsic level that we feel about it. So a person who buys a synthetic is really going towards the price differential. And unfortunately, it, it's just not there. So you, know, so you, you create a market where there's demand, you can't service that market and you create frustration. So the article was talking about how people that were looking for those kinds of stones uh, then went further and then bought simulants. And a simulant is different than a synthetic. A synthetic or a cultured uh, gem would be one that's made up in a, in a similar process in theory as the way that nature makes them. And uh, simulants would be stones or gems that we would want to use in the, in, the, in the term where we would say that something is made out of different elements to look like something. So you could think of that like a cubic zirconium. A cubic zirconium has an, uh, I, I should say, my, my eye is so sensitive to it that I can see the difference between cubic zirconium and diamond. Uh, my eye is sensitive, and I would say most people's eyes are, to seeing moissanite and a diamond, but those other gems would be called simulants. And the simulant is just made to look or imitate as close as possible the uh, the natural stone, but it's not in any way made out of the same materials. So um, these labs that are producing these synthetic diamonds are struggling right now and financially. And, uh, you know, some of them, some of them have been sold and investors are, are frustrated uh, that they're not making the monies that they wanted to put in on them. So my feeling on synthetics is that it like cheap, fine, I can't use the term together, cheap, fine, uh, like cheap jewelry, jewelry that's made to look expensive, but it's, it's not jewelry that's made to, uh, make you want to buy it because of its style over its substance. Synthetic is the same thing. There isn't any value to something, even if it costs a lot to make and you sell it for a lot, there isn't the value in in selling it again. You know, something's value is 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 worth something to us. However, we're talking about something financially. How much is it worth when we sell it? And it's going to be quite difficult to sell synthetic diamonds the second time around. So, what what is it worth? 
it's not worth really anything. And that's the same way that diamonds that have been treated for, uh, you know, irradiated diamonds in high pressure, high temperature, which is HPHT. Try to sell one of those. If you buy one of those diamonds and you try to sell it again, it's almost impossible. And I'm not saying you can't, and I'm not saying that there's not the anomaly out there where there would be some person or jeweler who could buy it and then resell it again, but it's it's extremely hard. You you take a nice piece of jewelry, uh, especially one with a larger stone, have a natural stone in it, have a, a report with it, and you'll get offers from just about every store you go into. Tell them it's a synthetic, and and they're going to turn their nose and look the other direction. And not 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 to be rude, but there isn't the intrinsic value in something that's man-made as opposed to something that somebody worked to dig out of the ground. So it's the same person who buys the synthetic diamond on that one end could be higher is that same person who just buys that uh, style over substance, willing to willing to change something to save money. So uh, my suggestion always would be is if you've listened to the Beauty, Purity, Size a podcast, which was actually my first podcast, I, would, I, I guess it was almost a year ago, my Beauty, Purity, Size podcast. Uh, if you listen to it, you'll see I, I sound quite a bit different than I do today. Uh, maybe because I'm a little bit, I feel a little bit more comfortable under the microphone. Um, but I talk about what it means to buy something and how we feel about it, and the differences based upon how we feel about how rare something is, and how we feel about uh, you know the beauty of the piece. And um, when we buy a beautiful synthetic or a beautiful simulant, it still doesn't feel the same way. But what we may get for it is that savings financially. Obviously, if you buy a, uh, and this is, I'm not knocking uh, any manufacturer, any vendor, Chatham, which is out of San Francisco, produces fantastic, beautiful, they call them cultured emeralds. They're some of the most beautiful gems you can ever look at. If you buy the same emerald, uh, or as close as you can to to its look, you know, there's always a little difference in the color, from uh, South America, uh, you could be spending 50000s of dollars, you know, for the same sizes, you know, respectively speaking, and you could spend, you know, thousands of dollars on, on the on the Chatham stone. So there is a, there is a difference, but you can, it's difficult to resell the Chatham. It would still be difficult to resell the uh, the natural stone. However, if you got enough of the reports to go with it, there are dealers who will buy those natural stones for you, and uh, you will see a return, not necessarily an increase. You will always see a decrease because it's being sold in that second situation or third, I should say. Um, but uh, but it doesn't feel the same way. So make sure that you buy something that uh, that has that feeling, that that good feeling when you give it and you feel confident about your purchase, and you know it's something special, and, uh, and it will carry that, that value, that, uh, not just for the moment, but in the piece intrinsically itself. So uh, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, when I did my announcement, that this was episode 16. You know, I, I promised myself I would buy a new laptop after episode 10. I have not done that yet. Uh, maybe I will uh, partake in this holiday season and, and buy myself a new laptop. I was kind of fighting over the fact whether I was going to buy a Mac, uh, which a lot of people suggest that I buy since I'm producing the show, 
or a Windows, and it would be a Windows 8 machine. I also produce videos on occasion. If you've seen me on YouTube before, um, I was offering some estate liquidations and those kinds of things. I did that all on a Windows machine. My reason I'm the reason I'm bringing that up is it's my segue into you getting involved in the jewelry industry. And believe it or not, you can use your laptop and fire that up, and you can receive education online and or through uh, the direct mail uh, education in. Uh, our industry, and you can become employed in our industry. You know, we're talking about uh, you wanting to start work, maybe in a jewelry store or a chain store. Some people are really endeared to becoming appraisers and gemologists, and uh, and I think how I got involved in the industry is is the same way that many people would. And uh, you know, not often are we family members in the industry. Um, we're not born into it. So we sort of fall into it, as I did, and it just happened to be something I love. Um, And some people just find that they really, really like it and uh, would like to get involved with it. And uh, I think the, the best way to get started is not necessarily with your computer. Uh, if you go up online, you can see all the different courses out there. But at this time of year, a lot of jewelers are looking for their part-time staff. And I think one of the best ways to get involved in our industry is to get your feet wet. And that means I would say that you should go around if you want to start in our industry. Uh, you know, I always talk about personality, enthusiasm, and integrity. Make sure you have a high degree of enthusiasm and integrity. And of course, make sure you have personality. And all those those three things there form a triangle for an excellent, excellent addition, a complement to our industry, to helping uh, people buy uh, fine jewelry to memorialize their special moments. That's that's my, my favorite phrase. I think that's what it's all about. So if you're going to go out and uh, fill out those applications going store to store, make sure you get involved with a store that sort of represents who you are, your why that you'd want to be in the industry. If you really love fine luxury, you're not going to want to go to uh, X discount chain store and fill out an application. Now, I will tell you this, if the fine luxury store is not hiring, you may still want to get a job at X discount jewelry store and uh, just to get your feet wet and find out what it's all about. Now, I would say that this is probably one of the most fun industries you could ever work in. You know, we can talk about all the different jobs one person can have. And uh, I should say that I can think of no other business than the jewelry industry that almost always is, I I would say it's 100% positive. There's no other industry we could think about where when people come in your door, they're thinking something negative. Now, I'm not talking about price or anything like that. I'm saying that when people walk in to see you, it's for a special reason, whether it's an engagement or anniversary. And the moment, I mean, the, the excitement that people have, there are there are some individuals who have reservation. And, and again, that's usually in, in regards to price. But people, when they come in your store, are looking for something. There's a meaning to why they're there. And I can tell you there's nothing more special than being part of that moment. 
So however you can help them, if you love people and uh, you like those positive moments, I, I guess maybe being... Um, now, I, I shouldn't say maybe a wedding planner, but maybe being the uh, the store or the individual who sells the wedding dress, that might be similar to the the position where you sell an engagement ring. You know, a little different ways because you're on you're working with two separate uh, parties. You know, two sides of that same coin. Um, but selling that engagement ring or selling that anniversary piece, the, the, where you know that that's going to make someone smile, the recipient, how excited they're going to be, there's nothing cooler than that. So, you know, when you go out this holiday season, or we're in, we're in October now, um, when you go out, if you're looking for a part-time job, uh, and they do hire part-time jobs, both in chain stores and mom-and-pop stores, maybe you'll get some work on the weekend, um, make sure you list your availability. Then after you've done that, fire up that laptop if you find you really like the industry and you can get involved in some of the distance education online courses that are available and some of the different schools that are out there are the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts. Now that's not a distance education school. It is a uh, a school where you can go and spend a day or a week or as long as six months or a year, depending on as many courses as you would like to take. The Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts is in San Francisco, California. It's a school I visited. My wife has also uh, taken classes there. I have my uh, uh, stone setting uh, certificates from the Revere Academy. Uh, There's also the Texas Institute of Jewelry Technology. That's another uh, a school that uh, that has classes both in gemology, just like the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts, and uh, jewelry manufacturing, just like the Revere Academy. And uh, they can teach you things such as stone setting uh, all the way through to diamond grading. And there, of course, uh, their name, Texas. So you can find them out at the, uh, I think it's Paris Junior College, Texas Institute of Jewelry Technology. And then the California Institute of Jewelry Technology, uh, that's in Sacramento. They're a uh, uh, they're affiliated with I think the Canadian Gemological Association, which uh, again is an affiliate of the uh, Gem A, which is the uh, which you can become a fellow of the Gemological Association, and that's uh, an FGA title. These are all schools you would go to after you've been involved in the industry. So I'm encouraging you to get up to go out to visit a store and look to get uh, look to get involved look to spend a little bit of time there in the store find out about it and uh, see what it's like to work in the jewelry industry find out by by working with customers by getting involved in their wonderful situations and helping them make special moments you know you're you're going to help them make a moment memorialized and your goal is to do that in the best way possible, making sure you're making it a habit to deliver excellent service, make it a habit to make sure sure that you're helping them in the best way possible, to make it a habit that, um, that you're there to serve them and, uh, and do all those things in the positive. Remember, personality, enthusiasm, and integrity. You can also afterwards, uh, you know, visit with GIA. You can go to school there. You can do a distance education program with the Gemological Institute of America. You can take simple courses, just uh, such as the accredited uh, jewelry uh, program that they have. 
um, all the way through to becoming a gemologist or graduate gemologist. They also have uh, uh, courses for jewelry manufacturing, and um, you can get combined uh, uh, diplomas for the jewelry manufacturing and the uh, GG. Uh, you can really spend a lot of time getting that knowledge. But I think, you know, at this time of year, I, I think that even though that jewelers will be holding back, they're looking for people. This is the best time to go out and to find out who you can get involved with to really get your feet wet and know what it's like to open up the store and polish that jewelry and uh, see that person and smile and uh, really look to helping them become part or you should be wanting to become part of that moment. And I got to tell you, there's nothing more special than seeing a gentleman come back in and he's bringing his fiance or wife and uh, she's smiling from ear to ear and you're sizing the ring or you're cleaning the ring or he's, uh, or in this case could be a, she's, she's introducing you to her fiance or her husband, or maybe, um, they're introducing you to their, uh, their, their child or, or family member or coworker, whoever, maybe they gifted something and you're sizing that watch. It, it is, it is a fun, fun, magical moment to get involved. And I, I can say that I have worked in other industries and nothing is as magical as the, uh, as the fine jewelry industry is in helping become part of those special moments. You know, if you've got any questions about the jewelry industry, you may, of course, email me at diamondanswerman.com. Um, you may also leave me a voicemail message, if you like, at 803-792-1326. Ask me those questions. Ask me those hard questions, if you like. Uh, if you'd like, I'll use them as part of future podcasts, different uh, different shows I may have. If you have more than one question, you can leave them, I would prefer, of course, that uh, way I could break it apart, leave them one at a time and answer them individually. You, you can, so you can call me at 803-792-1326. You can visit with me on the website, which is diamondanswerman.com. So if you want to become part of, you know, making those moments special, uh, you know, call me up, leave me a message, visit with me, and I can direct you if I can to maybe stores in your area. There's lots of stores hiring. I mean, obviously you can visit the websites like Monster and Career Builder and Indeed and all those great places and look at all the different listings, whether they're chain or family stores and uh, go out there. So if again, don't get involved unless you want to make something special happen. Don't get involved unless you want to help someone make special moments. Don't get involved unless you want to become part of that moment. Don't get involved Unless if it doesn't work out, you're not willing to take care of them 110%. Always personality, enthusiasm, and integrity. Anyway, um, give me a call. Listen to my next podcast. I'm going to talk about some fantastic things coming up. Uh, again, this is J. Christopher Gertz. This is the Diamond Answer Man Show, episode 16. Mm-hmm.